Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, all. Kinsey Schofield here with the To Die For Daily podcast. And I am thrilled over the moon. We got our hands on NT Lawyer. Um, you are absolutely notorious, absolutely fabulous with Crazy Days and Nights. Um, for anyone unfamiliar, Crazy Days and Nights, you've been so ahead of the Harry and Meghan game. Um, it was all the way back in 2018 that you reported that Meghan Markle was going full diva. You say, lucky for us, complains to her friends that she doesn't get enough respect and that she only wants to go to fun events. She is convinced every one of the staff hates her. They probably do. It wouldn't shock me if they end up moving to a different country for a couple of years. Oh, my gosh. She's going to ask. She would love to live in Canada for a few years. NT, <sighs> what a prediction. My God, you were on the money. Yeah. You know, thanks for having me. Um. Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really tough about royal, you know, gossip or whatever, and <clears throat> is that prior to Megan being there, I think that anybody would say, oh, yeah, I heard this, I heard this. He really didn't hear anything because the royal family, there was no gossip to be had, especially for, you know, a Los Angeles-based gossip blogger. Yeah. But when Meghan Markle enters the picture, then it adds a whole bunch of other people that all of a sudden you can get some more information from especially back then, you know, when she was with hanging out with Jessica Mulroney and then Jessica had friends and stuff. And so then it becomes a little bit easier to get actual royal gossip. And, you know, the, the trend has continued. You're so you're so right. But uh, what I really <laughs> took away from this was you say that she's convinced the staff dislikes her. This is all the way back in 2018. We've heard the rumors of her feeling like she didn't get enough respect. I mean, Tom Quinn, who's a really respected royal author, discusses how, you know, part of the reason she was so resentful towards the staff is because she felt like she was lower on the totem pole. She should have been treated the same as, as Catherine, the Princess of Wales. So that, I mean, just that right there, that to me is gives it gives that story credibility on on top of that you use the word diva and that's always been my my point about Meghan Markle I don't think that race really plays a, a hand in this as much as her just being kind of a pain in the butt um you know and and so to me I I read that and I thought my goodness you were on it when did Meghan first hit your hit your radar was it before Harry was it after Harry when do you remember hearing the name Meghan Markle I mean, you would hear about it when she was on Suits, but you got to realize that even when she was on Suits, that, you know, I get a lot of gossip tips and everything all the time, but she wasn't the most important person on Suits. So, you know, if you're going to write a blind about somebody on Suits, it was it would be somebody else rather than Megan. And because nobody really knew who she was, unless you watch Suits, which was on USA and, you know, had really low ratings, not necessarily for USA, but in the overall scheme of things, then people are like, I have no idea who she is. Yeah. So <clears throat> they would know who, you know, maybe like it was generally about like the lead actors and how they started off being nice guys. And then when they got on suits and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm a big star, but you're really not a big star. You're filming in Ontario and nobody knows who you are unless they're watching the show. And <clears throat> I think Megan had always um, had eyes on trying to, move up the ladder kind of thing in the sense that is she going to be stuck doing suits forever? And don't forget that prior to that, she had been um, a briefcase person, right. you know, 
Um, so on deal or no deal. So it was kind of, you know, that's not exactly a list kind of stuff. Right. That might, yes, because I've actually heard you say recently, um, I mean, I don't know how recently was, I listened to a podcast recently with you on it, where you said, sometimes you get tips about people that aren't necessarily A-listers. They very well could be submitting them themselves, or they've asked their publicist to do so. And it's not something you would instantly put on the site. You might put that away in a folder just in case something does come to fruition with their career. So very smart of you. Um, uh, Demois asked you for the short version, but I, once once I heard her say, give me the short version, I died a little inside. I want the long version. How would you describe the Harry and Meghan saga as an entertainment professional? I think that, you know, I've been, if you had asked me a year ago whether or not that they were going to get divorced, I would have said no. I would have said, mm, I don't really see that happening. I just think that, but things were different a year ago, right? They had just had their documentary on Netflix and it, it did really well. And, you know, we still had a spare was still in the horizon. And I just I there was enough milking left to do of Harry's past and stuff that I said, oh, I don't I don't think they're going to get divorced. But over the past year, you know, I've been probably on the, the bandwagon that's saying I see a split. And I think it's because of the fact that they have definitely gone their ways professionally. They're mm -hmm. separate. Like Harry's not represented by William Morris. It's Megan. Right. So they're doing deals basically for Megan and trying to find her things to do. Harry, yes, a little bit under the Archwell kind of thing. Right. Um, but for the most part, no. I this this Africa documentary he's doing, I it's not being repped by WME. And the Invictus thing is already, you know, in the can or whatever for Netflix, which I have gone on record saying I think it's a really good idea. I think it's gonna be very popular. And I have no problem with it at all. I think that it's a story that should be told. And I think that he should be very proud of the fact that he was involved in that from the very beginning. And that is something that I think that somehow he lost sight over. And I want to say, and this is something you'll see from, from time to time, and I don't really use the term very often, but it's basically somebody becomes like a star effer. And I think that Harry even though he had met famous people, <clears throat> this was like his first chance. Oh my gosh, this is somebody I can see her on TV. And don't forget when they had their relationship and they were dating, it was one of these long distance kind of things. Like he would fly into Ontario and see her for a few days, or she would fly into London and see him for a few days. And it's all hotel rooms and rainbows and unicorns. Uh, you have made this point before. I, this is the greatest point. I mean, brilliant, because you are absolutely right. There is an intensity associated with A, a long distance relationship, B, a, like that secrecy of they're going through back entrances. They're on the opposite sides. You know, there's the story of them at the opposite side of the grocery store, you know, trying to not, they didn't want anybody to see them shopping for dinner together, but flirting through the, the like holes in the walls and flirting through uh, their cell phones. That is one of the greatest greatest points in the world that there this was so romantic 
And this relationship was so intense because, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. There was a distance there. There was something so sexy about that secrecy. And um, on top of that, it's a freaking prince. I mean, this is a girl on suits, a pre, you know, prior to that, the briefcase girl dating these, you know, the most eligible bachelor in the world in secret. I love that you've said that. And I think that in any kind of like long distance relationship like that, because what you're doing is you're only there for like three or four days. There's not the day to day. Um, oh, you know, if you if you're dating somebody and, you, and you're local and you're like, oh, yeah, I can't go out tonight. You know, I got to work till whatever. And OK, well, let's grab, you know, something to eat. You know, you want to see a movie or something or maybe you'll come over or whatever. But the day to day is very much involved in those kind of things. But if you are just there for four days, it's all about sex and eating out. And doing that kind of thing. And it, it is a very intense kind of relationship. And then think about she, he's coming over to see her. He's excited about that. But then she's flying over there. And oh, my gosh, I get to be snuck into a palace and all this kind of stuff. I'm like you said, dating a prince and everything. And it's just it's very intense. And it's not real life. Yeah, <clears throat> that is the it's truth. Not, it's not real life. And and so when all of this happens and everything and and you can see it right away. She's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm dating him. And then she starts cutting herself off from the people that she knew. And from the very beginning, um, especially where I noticed the, this whole, she wants to be better than maybe that she is, is that for the wedding invitations, and I've talked about this before, is that she didn't know George Clooney, but yeah. she invited him. Yeah. She didn't know Reese Witherspoon, but she invited her. And Reese Witherspoon's like, I don't know who she is. Why would I go to a wedding of somebody I don't even know? Right. And 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 it was just that kind of thing where if she had been on suits and when she was married to Trevor Engelson, she didn't say, oh, let me invite George Clooney mm -hmm. to my wedding. You know, she didn't know him when she married Harry, but she knew that I could send this out and these people are going to come. These people who would never take my phone calls before, all of a sudden they're going to take my phone calls because I'm with Prince Harry. I also thought I think it was trying to divert attention away from the fact that she only had one member of her family there. And it absolutely worked. None of us were like, really? There no one there. She has no member of her family there. And we we're all like, oh, there's Oprah Winfrey. There's George Clooney. Oh my gosh, it's it's Serena Williams. Like all, you know, doughy-eyed, excited about all of these American celebrities rolling up to a royal wedding, not thinking, where's her siblings or her dad or her grandpa or her grandmother? I mean, the it, the irony that none of us caught on immediately it just i kick myself i think that she was probably ashamed or embarrassed of them i do i um, do too. yeah i don't i'm not sure that they probably went to her wedding to trevor because it was in jamaica so it was a destination wedding so i doubt that they were even there i really well, don't no, know no, her, her dad did go her dad, her dad okay yeah and um mm -hmm. and she he had taken beautiful photos uh, but like a, a in video of the ceremony and she demanded that he delete them for some reason unbeknownst to me but again like i don't know i i have i guess that this kind of rolls into my next question or my next series of questions series of questions for you do do you know or know of trevor ingleson since you're in the in the city yeah i mean obviously i know of him yeah. um but he he is there are a million Trevor Engelsons yeah. okay, in Hollywood. There are a million of them. And there's a people who want to be Trevor Engelsons and Trevor Engelson. He's had a decent kind of career, but is it a list now? Is it B list? Yeah, yeah kind of, um, you know, he, he gets attached to shows and he's been attached to a couple um, and attached to a movies as producer and stuff. And producer is a very generic title. And unless yeah. you're br bringing financing or something like that, 
you know, that's generally what a producer will be somebody who's bringing it all together, or perhaps you just know somebody. And it's a different kind of thing than say a producer, let's say on suits, you know, originally you'll have the creator and the showrunner. Well, oftentimes after the second season or so, the showrunner will get offered a different job and they're still technically the, the showrunner or whatever executive producer. But what they've done is there will be, let's say writers from suits that have written say three or four episodes and stuff. And so then they move up and they become a different kind of producer and they move up and they move up and that's how it kind of works. But when you're a movie producer, which is what he did primarily when they started dating, and then later he moved into television, but he was never as a writer. It was yeah. never as that. It was just kind of, I know somebody, I can do this. I kind of got this job. And there was nothing spectacular about his career at all. Um, but maybe back in 2004, when they started dating, you know, she's 23 years old and, hey, I'm a producer. I'm trying to do this. I've got some things lined up and blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing that every guy says to everybody in Hollywood to a try and make girl, an impression. A cute girl in a nightclub. Yeah. With a drink in yeah. her hand. And well, yeah. a business card that says producer. Exactly. Well, so I have a, a couple of mutual friends with Trevor and, and, you know, they have suggested to me over the years that in seeing Megan interact with him in those early days, they felt like she was really looking to plug into a boyfriend or a husband that could help her professionally. And what it sounds like to me, A, I'd like to know if you've heard the same, but B, what it sounds like to me is you're saying, Based on what Trevor is capable of, he was kind of limited in the ways that he was able to help out Megan professionally. Is that is that am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, I mean, 100 percent. Unless you're bringing financing, you really don't have a say in the casting and stuff. But yeah. again, you know, she's 23 years old and he says, I'm a producer and hey, I'm going to I've got this movie that I'm working on. I'm trying to get it together and helping the people that are financing and I'm going to be a producer on this movie. And she's saying, great. You know, I can get cast on in this movie, but he doesn't have that kind of pull um, yeah. to do that. But what you're hoping is that something will be successful and that people go, oh, yeah, I was a producer on this movie. And then, you know, I've, I've got a higher profile, somebody else, a bigger agent. And now I got this movie and then you maybe have some pull and you can, you know, have somebody cast in it. And I think that that's what she was thinking is that anytime you're hanging out with a producer and you're an actor or an actress, the idea is that you're hoping that you'll be cast in that. And yeah. it's kind of a a shortcut way of doing it. I mean, a lot of people try and do it, but, you know, the proper way in Hollywood is that you you end up with a bunch of friends and stuff. You start out at the, the bottom and then you kind of move your way up. And, and an example of this would be somebody like Adam Sandler. So Adam Sandler and David Spade and Rob Schneider, they were all writers and they did comedy and stuff. And then um, Schneider and Spade got Saturday Night Live and they're like telling Lauren, hey, bring Adam Sandler. You know, he's great in this. And Adam Sandler went to Saturday Night Live, but he was a writer for the first season. And Judd Apatow was part of that group, too. And but they grew up together. And so yeah. then if if somebody becomes famous or it gets that pull and you've been with these people, then you pull them along with you and everybody does their own little separate things, too. But it's all part of the same group and you come together and you'll see it things like and, you know, um, grownups and stuff where they're all together. And, and, and there's, I'm just using them as an example. However, there's lots of these little groups that start like that. And, but then there's a shortcut. Oh, I'm dating this guy as a producer. He's going to get me cast in this role. And then if it's a big enough role, then hopefully you can move on and you can get something bigger. And I think that that's what she was trying to do at the time. And, and unfortunately she was getting smaller roles as like drunk girl at bar and remember me. And allegedly she was really unhappy with that. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I have only found one person from Suits that's maybe two that will openly talk about 
you know, Megan being a joy to work with and how to the, you know, at today, at this very moment, I do feel like everybody at the time was like, yeah, she was great. Cause they liked having a camera in their face. Um, but it does seem like less and less people are willing to say that she was a joy to work with on set. Um, and specifically at deal or no deal and Andrew Morton's book, uh, I believe, and in Tom Bauer's book, they both discuss how she really kept to herself and wasn't necessarily friendly with the other people. And it's like you said, it's crucial to be friendly and to, to make friends all over because you never know who's going to give you that helping hand and to give you a, a new opportunity. Um, I did, when I was thinking about asking about Trevor, I thought, wow, it's, Trevor's been so nice to not say anything. It's been really mature and kind of him to kind of stay in the shadows. But then it occurred to me that he had sold a show to Fox about a girl that dumped a guy for a British prince. Do we have any idea what happened to that show? I mean, he sold it to Fox. However, then he he kind of pulled it back and he pulled it back in um, May of 2018. Um, and he said, no, but the reason was and Megan will, you know, like to say, oh, I'm, I'm the reason, you know, I convinced him, blah, 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 blah. But that's not the reason. The, the reason actually is because Trevor hit the jackpot with Tracy Curland, who he's married to and has a couple of kids with. And because Tracy is the sole heir to a billion dollar fortune. Uh, so so, he, so he, they don't need that kind of negative attention is what you're saying. They are like t- totally loved up, financially set, and they didn't want to like bring on the kind of attention that a project like that would attract. Is that what you're saying? And now a word from our sponsor. Yeah, I mean, there's just no point in it for him. You know, he can do his his television show and be a producer. And right now it's just kind of him just, oh, you know, if I want to do something, I can do something. But, you know, I'm married to somebody because her dad died in 2021. Uh, so it's just the mom and then her and then if mom dies. So, I mean, it's like, a, I mean, he has more money than he would ever know what to do with. So yeah. why even deal with any kind of, you know, Fox or anything like that? He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to do anything other than make sure that Tracy's happy. And it's the same kind of thing that Megan was always wanting. You know, Megan would have loved to find a billionaire. Right. And, and, and Trevor, you know, found his, you know, golden ticket. And, you know, he, he doesn't need to worry about Fox and I don't need to deal with that. I don't need to deal with that headache because I've already hit the jackpot. That is such a good call. Thanks for, thanks for that. Reminding me of that. Cause I knew he was married, but I didn't realize that that perhaps was the reason why he dropped that show. A hundred percent because it was May, 2018 that he pulled it back and they got engaged in June, 2018. Oh my gosh. Genius. <laughs> All right. There is a male astrologer that says he personally met with Megan before her trip to London, the trip where she met Prince Harry. And he told her that she was going to marry a British prince or a British man, not a prince, but a British man. Allegedly, I've heard you and several other people say that she was seeking a high profile Brit. Do we know why British? What do you think her objective was? She just I think that at the time when all this was happening was after Trevor and her got divorced in 2013 that you know she's in canada and stuff and she's <clears throat> seeing things like this and you know there's a there's more of a british media kind of thing and and you know she's probably reading the daily mail and reading about rich british people and and she told a couple of people she told lizzie cundy she told katie hind <clears throat> that she was looking for somebody i think that ashley cole had been hitting on her oh yeah and <clears throat> and she had been hitting on ashley she always makes it sound like it was ashley who was going into her dms but she was going into his right and, like she went and, into pierce morgan's 
Yeah. And so she thought, you know, Ashley Cole, he's rich. He's, you know, good looking and stuff. He's, he's a soccer player, premier league, and let me be a wag. And I think that that's what she thought. And she also said that she was, she really, really wanted to find a famous guy. And she even told Lizzie Cunning, she goes, you know, do you know any famous guys? I'm single and I really love Englishmen. And Lizzie said, we'll go find you some. And she said the same thing to, to Katie Hind. And when she met with Katie Hind, it was 2013 and Katie just kind of did it as a favor. She was, you know, working as a tabloid and and she even admitted, look, I was working for a, a fourth rate tabloid. This is, you know, and so basically if, if Megan's coming to me, it shows that she's, you know, basically a fourth rate star. And, and Katie had to be convinced like w- with one of her friends to even take the meeting. Cause she really didn't want to, she didn't want to sit around and, and, and talk to Megan, but Megan's just there. And she's saying, you know, yeah, I want to meet somebody. And, and she asks, Katie about Ashley Cole. Should I date him and all this kind of stuff? And she said, eh, you know, he's kind of cheating and, you know, he is a cheater and he cheated like a Cheryl Cole and stuff and everything. And, but yeah, I mean, Megan had this, she wanted to find somebody British. She wanted to find somebody famous. She wanted to find somebody rich and lo and behold, she lands Harry. Oh my gosh. I mean, some would say jackpot. Some would say today, some would be like, not so much. Do you have an opinion on whether or not she cheated on the, her chef boyfriend, Corey, while they were together in Canada? Do you do you no, have for a- sure? For sure. Yeah, that I, I kind of suspect the same. Um, you reported in in I believe it was April that Terry and Megan weren't necessarily in their Montecito home, the one that everybody talks about. But then again, in June. There was a really interesting story about Megan finding a temporary spot across from her talent agency in L.A. Do you have any updates on their current living arrangements? Because that seems to be debated quite a bit. Okay, so let me give you the long version. I love it. I love long versions. (laughs) Okay, so you live in L.A., but for those who do not, everybody says, oh, Montecito is really close. It's not close. Yeah. And um, and I, I see that and I'll see things like from the Daily Mail and go, oh, they don't want to drive the 40 minutes. OK, if you can make it to Montecito in 40 minutes, then I don't know what you're driving. But, yeah. you know, I would like that car yeah. um, or helicopter or whatever. I mean, you can barely helicopter in from Montecito in 40 minutes. Exactly. And so here's the thing is that, OK, well, you're in Montecito. It is a, a solid two hours from L.A. And mm-hmm. you think to yourself. Okay, I got to go take some meetings and stuff like that. So I need a place in LA to crash because I don't necessarily want to drive all the way back. Got it. So I understand like having a place in LA where you can overnight. What I didn't understand was why, and Montecito, you guys, is extremely small. It's one, it's one little tiny road that maybe is a half a mile. I mean, that's the, the downtown Montecito. It's filled with really nice hotels and it's really nice shops and really nice restaurants, but it is tiny. And Harry has a hotel room. I'm like, why does he need a hotel room in Montecito when <laughs> it will never take him longer than five minutes to get home? Right. And, and so the fact that he had one is like, okay, well, why does he need to get out of the house? What's going on that he needs to get out of the house? Right. So there's that. I understood, you know, that they have a place in LA or that they can crash, whatever. And then there's a, a brand new Fairmont that's across the street from, from Megan's, uh, from WME. And, so it's like, okay, she's got a place there so she can have meetings and stuff. And they're just spending more and more time apart. And there's nothing left for them to exploit together. 
Yeah. Okay. We had the Oprah interview, which they did together. Megan, you know, what was your, you know, relaxation reaction, you know, introduction to the Royal family, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's something that was really important for her to discuss. I got it, but there's only so many times that you can tell that story. Yeah. Harry, he's got spare. Okay. Let's talk about this kind of stuff. And you know, it was a bestseller and rightfully so, because people wanted to hear stuff about it and everything like that. But here's Megan still is like, I, I want to take advantage of where I am. And I want to become more famous. I want to be a producer. I want to be a showrunner. I want to be in charge. I want people to, you know, to come to me. I want deals with Dior. I want all this kind of stuff. I want to, you know, compete with Gwyneth Paltrow. I want the TIG back. I want, I want to be Oprah, basically. Right. Well, let's just say that. No, I that's just, I've heard that. That's a genie. I mean, you're absolutely right when it comes to the Oprah. And she, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but was meeting with agents and managers in the UK right before she actually met Harry and was trying to sell them or, you know, get them to go out and sell her on a talk show, whether it be a cooking type show or a travel show. I, your Oprah is the greatest comparison you could make. I do believe that that was her aspiration. Yeah, because an Oprah controls careers, right? Yeah. It's Dr. Phil or, you know, whoever. Oprah makes people. Oprah sells authors. Oprah, you know, when she had her talk show, she made her broke people. You know, I mean, you would become the biggest star in the world, Dr. Oz, whatever. Or they all owe themselves to Oprah. Yeah. And I think that Megan wanted to be the same kind of player and just... And the thing is, Harry is not, okay? Yeah. We have to understand that despite the fact that Harry has a career as a as a veteran and, and did noble service in Afghanistan and all this kind of stuff, the dude is not a worker. Right. I think he just wants to sit around and smoke pot all day and yeah. and do this. And one of my friends, um, good friends, Bill Simmons, who runs The Ringer, which is a sports website, but as part of the deal, he sold it to Spotify. And in addition to you know, running the ringer, he has executive responsibilities with Spotify. And so he's in charge of, I don't know, development and stuff like this. And so they said, Hey, Bill, could you talk to Harry? Because he's really not doing anything. Yeah. And, and so Bill, you know, has this zoom call with, with Harry and some stuff Bill told me in private and some stuff he's told public. And I was trying to remember which part was public and which was private. <laughs> but for the, for the most part, it was like, he offered a bunch of suggestions. And Harry was just like, no, no, I really, I want to see myself. I want to interview like Putin and I want to interview like Trump and all these kind of things I want. And okay. But what is your perspective? What, what are you going to ask them? Like, what is your angle? And one of the things that I've said that I think that Harry would succeed at if he was doing a podcast is what he should have done as, as his, you know, history as a veteran is that he should have got people like British veterans and American veterans and, and had conversations with them and talked about things like that. And, you know, especially with Invictus, okay, you were injured and stuff, you know, how are people treating you and things like that. There was just so many things that you could bring to the table that he had as this perspective, but he wasn't interested in doing anything. Right. He just doesn't want to do anything. And I think Megan, for whatever, we have to realize that there is a drive there. Yeah. The, the drive to become famous, the drive, Hey, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity that I was given and I am going to run with it and I'm going to try and be the biggest star in the whole world. Yeah. And, and, and Harry is just like, eh, I'd rather sit at home and do nothing. And I, I just don't think that that's what Megan wants to do, which is going back to what I originally said, where William Morris is representing Megan and they're not, you know, representing Harry and, and Harry's going to do this Africa documentary and it's 
going to go off to Africa and he's supposedly looking for some places to stay like for several months while he's there. Yeah. And so this is, these are two people that are now living separate lives. How long can that continue? I mean, you explain that so eloquently. I mean, ambitious as hell is how I would define Meghan Markle. And that's not always a bad thing. Um, and I think to, I think about the night in New York where Megan was accepting that award from one of her idols and the night ending in the over over exaggerated near catastrophic car chase. I just think how disappointed was Megan likely in that scenario? This was supposed to be her night. She was dressed to the nines. She looked like a physical trophy in that gold dress. She was accepting an award from somebody that she really admires, has admired, you know, according to her since she was a child. And it all blew up in their faces when they released that press release the next morning. And I'm I feel certain that it was Harry driven, basically comparing the evening to his mother's death um, and then turning the entire conversation around, not about what a great podcaster, content creator, and feminist that Meghan Markle is, that she's accepting this award from a feminist icon, but again to, and I'm sorry to use the word, but the paranoia that kind of haunts Harry about his mother. So, you know, you describing how she wants to be out there, wants, to, wants her brand to grow, wants to be the center of attention. There, there's a real hindrance there from Harry. Yeah. And think going back to that award and it's glorious time um, yeah. and presented the award. Here's the thing about awards is that this was a charity function and the charity was not selling any tickets at all. So what do you do when you want these people who are always asked to give money and could you buy a table? Can you do this? You know, it's not the Met Gala. Right. So we need you to buy a table. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give award to Meghan Markle. So we're going to give this award. And so as soon as they said that they're going to give the award to Meghan Markle, then all of a sudden all the tables sell out. Right. So it is all about, it's not so much Meghan, you know, earned this award. It's just that, hey, we can sell a lot of tickets if we give it to Meghan. Yeah, and, exactly. They'll get butts in seats. They'll get a crazy amount of free PR. Right. And here's the thing. It's like, okay, the way it works is if they had stayed in this hotel, um, and they wanted a room for free and the hotel's like, no, we're not going to give you a room for free Exactly, and it's they... $10,000. And here's the thing. They can afford $10,000. They can charge a $10,000 room. No problem. And exactly. the thing is, is they didn't want to. And what would have happened is if they had the, if they had got the room at the hotel, here's what it would have happened. First of all, they would have gone from their room out to the, the lobby, walked 10 feet from the lobby to the Suburban, and there would have been pictures taken. Yeah. They get in the Suburban, they drive over to the place where the award is, they get out this 10 feet, get the pictures taken, just like when you saw them leaving. Right. And at the end of the night, they leave, they get pictures taken, they drive back to the hotel, they get pictures taken for 10 minutes in the lobby. But because of the fact that they didn't want to actually spend money, they were staying at a friend's house right? and for free. And because they were doing that, and they did not necessarily want to know, have everybody know where the, the friends were. So they they drive and the next thing you know, they're being followed by the paparazzi who would not have followed them if they were going to the hotel because and to, they would have just you, been waiting at the hotel. And I've my friends that work over there, I have one specific that works. He's a New York street photographer. He told me everybody knew where they were staying. So the, it, 
you know, the, the, we're trying to keep the paparazzi from our friend's house was kind of an irrelevant argument because everybody knew they were staying there. And that, I think, was it the Carlisle? I think, you know, yeah, it was the Carlisle, which Princess Diana, and they wanted to say yes, the Princess Diana suite. Say. Exactly. That Princess Diana loved that hotel. So again, it's just, it's just another, the entitlement is crazy because Diana would have never expected to stay at the Carlisle for free. Um, I, I, you reported in March that this is, this just fires me up. You reported in March, Megan won't come out and directly say it. She lets her staff handle it. They get to tell people visiting that Megan prefers them to curtsy when meeting her and also prefers they call her by her royal title. No using her birth name. Then in May, you say the first meeting at the super agency, which now I think is William Morris Endeavor. When is expected, the staff were told to call Megan by her title. No one was allowed to use her first name. This drives royal watchers crazy. Um, it's their insistence on using their titles, hijacking the queen's private nickname for their daughter, all while defaming the British royal family. Um, do the Sussexes not see the hypocrisy in their actions with this title insistence, this title demand? Well, here's the thing. Are they the ones who wanted to not be in the monarchy, right? They're the ones who wanted to, to go to Canada. They're the ones who wanted this quiet life. And honestly, here's the deal. If they had stayed on Vancouver Island and just stayed there and stayed hidden and all this kind of stuff, I would have said, great, you know, fantastic. You were doing exactly what you said you were going to do. You're just, you know, you're just living your life. You're living your life quiet and in solitude. And I would have said, congratulations. I don't know if you should have been staying in a Russian oligarch's house, but other than that, I'm okay with, with you doing that. But the thing is that they didn't, they changed and don't forget they trademarked the whole Sussex thing and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. You, you had all that going on. And then to say, we don't want titles, but then don't forget. And I, I've talked about this, is that, you know, they wanted the, the titles for the children. And, yes. and the other thing is there is, um, you know, an Anglican church, like in Montecito or whatever. And, they could have gone there to have the baptism, but no, they went to, to LA to do it so they could have the bishop and everything. And, and they just made a really huge deal out of it. And it's just always like, oh, we want to use the title. And when they go to William Morris Endeavor and it's like, welcome the Duchess of Sussex or whatever. Okay. But I thought they didn't want to use the titles. Right. And, and yes, the whole curtsy thing. And, and Megan loves that kind of stuff, you know? And, and I, and I, I think I talked about it with Dumois or whatever, but I've, and because it was this personal experience where um, there was a Senator and he got married for like the third or fourth time or something like that. And, you know, and I knew this wife and she was just, she had her own name, but she would refuse to call herself by her first name. She would always call herself Mrs. The last name of the Senator. So this Senator's wife, instead of using her first name or whatever, or whatever she was calling, she would say, hi, this is Mrs. Blank. And just the last name of the Senator. Yeah. So just to let you know, right off the fact, right off the bat, that I'm, I mean, this is who I'm, I am, and who, you know. So you need to say yes to me. And it's the same thing with, with, with Megan and saying, you know, I'm the Duchess of Sussex or whatever. I'm not Megan Markle anymore. Don't use my, you know, birth name anymore. I am the Duchess and stuff like that. And the thing is, like William Morris Endeavor, they're like, oh, of course, we'll just call you that, and everybody, and you know, do this. And she would not be getting this attention if she was Megan Markle from Suits, right? Absolutely. And I think that they're savvy enough to understand that. So they go along with it. They go along with that branding. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to part one of our interview with NT Lawyer from crazydaysandnights.net. Quick mention that To Die For Daily merchandise is now available at todiefordaily.com. 
Stay tuned for part two.